0: else can you do to eat better cutting out all your favorite stuff just makes life miserable and we end up going overboard on all the stuff we cut out anyway yeesh in this episode dr cashew shares the importance of telling yourself yes to go beyond a simple restriction and amateurish juvenile restriction and graduates you into a more sophisticated disciplined and competent eater indeed you can eat your way into becoming a better person and this episode gets you there Roll the intro. Hello. Hello. And welcome to. Oh, goodness. Very little left. And welcome to Coffee with Cashy. I am your host. Dr. Trevor Cashin. and today we have a very special episode jam-packed with all sorts of stuff. So have your thinking caps ready, lots of stuff going on. Uh, and, and again, today is a good day yet another episode on nutrition kind of <laughs> kind of. Uh, you're going on a journey with me and we are comparing priorities. Well, what we are doing is we are comparing what you eat. Specifically, what you eat, all right? What you eat specifically versus how you eat generally. Okay, that's what I was trying, to was formulating. That's what I wanted to come out. We are comparing what you eat specifically versus how you eat generally. What is more important and why? And why, all right? Now, if you know Dr. Cashew well enough, then you know I am, I'm pretty chill when it comes to what foods you eat. I, of course, have a short list of my favorite foods, Dr. Cash's power foods, and I disperse them regularly. However, that is in good faith of streamlining homemaking logistics, uh, identifying any latent food sensitivities, allergies, resulting in or exacerbating things like systemic inflammation, tummy troubles, or uh, otherwise, you know, regulating yourself. I'll just put it that way, okay? To that end, you have made it this far. You have made it this far, okay? So a little bit of background. If your diet was legitimately unbalanced, then your nails and teeth would be falling out. If you even got the slightest cut, you would bleed to death. Your bones would be grotesquely disfigured or already ground to dust. Your immune system would fail. Your blood cells would look shriveled, or bloated, or bursting, making it impossible to do even the most basic tasks. You get the picture? (laughs) You're probably doing okay enough. Okay enough, right? Although I have a laundry list of reasons why I'm chill about food choices, this is the one relevant to our discussion now. And well, if you're listening to me now, then you've made it this far. (laughs) Can you do better? Yes, always. And you can coach yourself and be coached through that. You do, all right? You do, however, need to give credit where credit is due. To your darn self, you made it this far. This is good. This is good, okay? Since Dr. Kashi can safely assume that you, at the very least, have the most basics covered well enough, otherwise look back to a moment ago, you are listening after all, then that means Dr. Kashi can take all of the rah-rah nagging kumbaya nonsense about being one with your vegetables uh, and instead of telling you what to eat and shoving that down your throat, Dr. Cashy would much rather take a more productive approach and, and he hopes that is okay with you, okay? For that reason. Dr. Kashi will flagrantly and publicly take that emphasis on what you are eating, kick it to the curb, and devote all that extra intellectual energy to how you are eating, all right? And the result is Dr. Kashi helping you transition between how you are currently eating, relatively impulsive, chaotic, rebellious, and otherwise amateurish, right? To how you will be eating with permission, discipline, and competence, a pro, a pro. Okay, In the former, you are moderated exclusively by restraint, the tension between your mind and body fighting against each other. It barely sustains something that kind of maybe sort of looks like order. All right. And in the latter, you are disciplined. Your mind and body work with each other, focusing more on what you can do and how that helps you. All right. Indeed, the more permission to give yourself, the more permission you give yourself to say yes to your mind and body working together, the more competent of an eater you become. And Dr. Cash-Y-Dare says a more competent human generally, right? And after analyzing the data, he has a fair bit now over the last million years of collecting it, all right? And he has found that permission, discipline, and self-awareness um, improved and improved vari- food variety go hand in hand. Okay, so I'll say that again. Permission, discipline, and self-awareness, when those things improve, then food variety goes up with it, like on its own, on accident, okay? Uh, Could some people stand to get a large variety of colors in their bellies? Sure, but again, remember, they made it this far, okay? To that end, Exposure to consumption and integration of a larger variety of foods, thereby adding, you know, some extra nutritional insurance, will happen all on its own. And this is the second biggest reason Dr. Kashi kicks food choices to the curb generally. All right, why they are much lower on the priority list. In other words. There's a flagrant top-down approach to food choices, right? Eat this thing, it's good for you. Stop eating that thing, it's bad for you. You're tired, therefore you must eat this. You are slow, therefore you must eat this. You are fat, therefore you must eat this. As if foods are now drugs that you just pick them up at the pharmacy, right? It's ludicrous. Also, just look around and see how well it works. <clears throat> All right, instead, Dr. Cassie would rather take a bottom-up approach, right? Hey, why is food variety low? rather than, hey, do all this stuff to get more food in. Okay, why is food variety low? So taking more of a scientific approach, my favorite, if you can ascertain the mechanism behind food variety limitation, then you are positioned to target an intervention that fosters, an attitude, fosters a better attitude around food and eating, greater satisfaction, and legitimate enjoyment in seeking out, trying, and integrating new foods. Right? I think you already know the result of everyone on earth being screamed at, literally, on every platform and in person that fruits and vegetables are good for you. We already know. Now leave me alone so I can finish eating my damn ice cream in peace. Right? Right. Hopefully it makes sense that impulsive, chaotic, and, and rebellious, and otherwise amateurish feeding moderated exclusively by restraint makes for a relatively destructive eater. All right. And a lot of it is fostered by that sort of messaging, right? And this ends up taking us partly out of the realm of nutrition science, focusing on the vitamins and the minerals and the proteins and all that fun stuff, and more into the realm of, of cognitive science, focusing on how you think, why you think it and how that influences your actions. It is here, in the cognitive science realm, Dr. Cashew solidifies his stance on how and why having permission, discipline, and feeding competence will make you a constructive eater versus a destructive eater, a constructive eater, right? Now keep in mind, you are learning, and more importantly, reinforcing what you have learned all the time. The brain can only focus. Practically, that means you take your cognitive spotlight and shift the focus somewhere else. Instead of focusing on the stuff you wish to eliminate, you shift the focus on the skill and traits you must build. Since outright subtraction is impossible, then, by default, you can only add to the system. You can only add to the system. Therefore, if you consistently add all of your learning points into your vicious feedback loops, well, now you have an opportunity to widen that gap between stimulus and response, inject some logic and reason, thereby sticking your learning points into your virtuous feedback loops, right? So check out Dr. Cashy's episode, Learning Was Bad for You, here, How, uh, for a more in-depth explanation about that, right? It is, it is within your power to learn and grow in the direction you wish to learn and grow. That's the point. And since this is a growth process, it's expansive, rather than a modular process, right? Rather, where you can just exchange pieces willy-nilly, uh, doing things in a reasonable sequence is of the utmost importance when effectively mastering this or any skill or trait, all right? Thankfully, this is relatively self-corrected. Self-correcting. For example, if the first time you ever hop on a skateboard, you're on top of a staircase, well, I will let you divine the rest, okay? So, all right, time for your thinking caps. Thinking caps are on. Let's work through a solution here, right? I was on the fat phone. Ooh, I was on the fat phone with Dr. Abraham Maslow beep, 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 beep the other day, and by the other day, I mean 100 years ago, and he was like, yo, Dr. K, I got some mad tips on how people work, and I think this will help you. You should totally super duper steal this and brutally modify it to serve your own purpose. Beep, boop, beep, boop, bam. And I was thinking in my head like, yo, Abe, this is sweet, thank you so much. Let's make it happen, cap'n, that's what I'm thinking, all right, and just like that, Dr. Abe, and Dr. Kashy became best buds, right? And so here's a paraphrase version a bare bones of Dr. Maslow's hierarchy of human needs. Maybe you've heard of it, right? So learning and growth happen in a sequence, right? By doing two things. One, by preventing deficiencies and establishing security in your essential requirements to survive. And two, taking the rest of your available resources to develop as a human beyond the essential requirements to survive. This sequence is expressed as a pyramid, a shape indicating indicating the sequence of development, as well as the overall importance to the overall importance of, you know, general human health, essentially, okay? There are physiological needs, air, water, food, sex, sleep, and protection from the elements, safety, security, and order, positive relationships, status and respect, perceived and actual, and then self-actualization, where you finally get granted the power to shoot lightning bolts from your fingertips. I'm almost there, I think, <laughs> right? Since, since Dr. Maslow and Dr. Cash here, now besties, I'm taking him up on his offer and evolving a tool of contextual relevance. This is Right, Dr. Casci's hierarchy of constructive eating, right? Constructive eating. Now, this is an introduction to the whole beast of a philosophy, although this will definitely give you what you need to get the ball rolling in the right direction, I promise, I promise. And as a disclaimer, as a bonafide egghead, regrettably, okay, I've spent many, many, many years trying to skip steps, do them out of order, uh, replace knowing with doing, and I've had, well, limited success, limited success. And you're in an amazing position to skip over 15 years of that nonsense I went through to figure all this stuff out. <laughs> this is one of the huge benefits, if not the hugest benefit of mentorship, all right? So check out the episode, The Best Education Is Real World Experience, learn more about that stuff, also my favorite, right? So again, behold! Behold, Dr. Cassie's hierarchy of constructive eating. Okay, make sure I have everything set up. Can you see me all right? All right. Wait, I'm going out, going out. Okay, now I see myself again, good, all right. So, step one, or rung one, or the base of the pyramid. Let's go there. The base of the pyramid is getting enough. It's getting enough. Enough is the amount of of amount of food, just in terms of metabolizable carbon for, specifically for you to trend in your desired direction. And that might be straight, okay? Now, the second, the second rung path level, all right, is regular patterns. And this is structured feeding whereby you're getting enough at regular times and or regular milestones every single day. The next level, is an equitable balance between your foods. Since you have enough food and total, with regulated patterning, it is it is now the priority that the food is, is distributed equitably for your situation between the major food groups, right? Next is systematic variety. Now that you have enough food, Regularly and with an equitable distribution among the food groups, you're in a position to be freer, a little more open-minded, to routinely try and optionally integrate new foods, methods of preparation, and generally take various other gastronomical paths to have an even greater level of reward and satisfaction with your meals, right? And last, in this case least, (laughs) novelties and other complicated stuff, as it were. Right. This includes fancy timing methods, prioritizing functional foods for bioactive compounds, immunomodulation, uh, moderating symptomology of a medical condition if required, uh, eating for a specific type of performance perhaps, and general experimentation beyond anything else in Dr. Cashy's hierarchy of constructive eating. Right. Thusly. Your position on this hierarchy is heavily dependent on how much permission you give yourself to let the mind and body work together. You use that mind body connection to become cognitively aware of your current level of eating competence, right? Your position on the hierarchy of constructive eating and developing your competence through gathering knowledge of what, why, and how you do things. You do them, how you do things, how you do the things you do and where they're taking you if you keep doing it. Then using that knowledge to make your brain buff and sexy. <laughs> Kicking your restrained eating to the curb and becoming a disciplined eater. Disciplined eating fosters the development of skills and character traits you need to ultimately become a constructive eater, and generally a constructive person, okay? So to summarize here, many years ago, I developed the hierarchy of constructive eating this way because I felt it amply demonstrated three things, right? One, that there's a reasonable, rational, and logical and factual progression to becoming a constructive eater, okay? Two, there is a blatant visualization of how, of how tension, friction, and conflict end up arising, particularly internally, when you attempt to skip steps or operate at a level that's wrong for you at the time. On one hand, it means developing chaotic and destructive eating. Right? And on the other hand, it might mean a purposeful priority change. And yes, that, that even means that veterans and extremely competent and constructive eaters will reprioritize depending on the situation they're in. For instance, if they're traveling, they might, they might just make sure everything is, is up to balance. Right? And, and if there's an emergency, maybe they just make sure they have their patterns in place right? Does that make sense? So it does change depending on the situation. And being able to go between the stages is also a condition of overall eating competence. And then lastly, progressing through Dr. Cassie's hierarchy of constructive eating does mean you'll need to coach yourself and develop some constructive skills. And as if on cue, when you cement the skills and character traits for your level, the transition to the next level happens instinctively. These all happen instinctively. Okay. So in conclusion, Dr. Kashi hopes that through this demonstration of logic and reason that why, why becoming a a disciplined and constructive eater is far and away superior to being a restrained and destructive eater. Moreover, why the huge focus on what you should eat completely ignores the important part of the equation, how you are eating. (laughs) Oh, if you're interested in learning more about the art and science of competent eating by experience, okay, then, then figure like let, let me know. Let Dr. Cashy know by sending him a message and leaving him a comment. He gets back to all of them. Want to continue having coffee with Dr. Cashy? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It is very much appreciated. Thank you and see you next week. Dr. Cashy is out.